to be here this morning with you. I'd like to share with you uh, a brief video that summarizes a trip I took um, to Germany. It was I got back not last Friday, but the Friday before last. And I went to Germany uh, as part of our network of churches called the 17-6 Network of Churches. And uh, we're focused as a network on uh, multiplying life-changing churches throughout the cities of the world. And we have a partnership with the last lady that you will see in the video, uh, Martha Moore. She was in our area for a while. We developed a friendship and a partnership with her, and she has gone and been in Germany for the last 15 years, except for one year in Spain, Um, and she has been starting up student ministries, ministries that are, she'll she'll land on a university campus, uh, begin to meet people, share Christ with them, try to help them come to Christ, and uh, they'll come to Christ, and get involved in that. Well, over over the last years, she had to take one year away from Germany because of her visa. She started a ministry in Spain while she was there. <laughs> Fascinating lady. God really has used her. But anyway, we were in Germany because what's happened over the last 15 years is uh, several men who've come to Christ and who've really grown through her ministry have uh, grown up and they're, they're beginning to want to start churches and we'd love to partner with them as they uh, start churches. So I want to show you this video. I, I happen to be the director of the network and so uh, I went over there to begin to or continue and foster partnerships with the folks over there. But here's, here's a summary. Uh, we were in Bonn, Germany. You'll see the lady first who leads the ministry there in Bonn, uh, which is was the old capital of West Germany. And then we were in Jena, which is in East Germany. You'll see uh, the pastor and his right-hand man who's starting a church there in Jena. And then we were in Braunschweig, which is just inside West Germany. And you'll hear from Martha, who was there. But he, here's the video that summarizes what we were doing. We are on top of the um, Cologne Cathedral, and uh, right behind me is the Rhine River, and about 20 kilometers um, south of the river is Bonn, where we are trying to reach the 33,000 students at the University of Bonn. Yeah, this is uh, Stefan, he is the pastor of our um, church plant here, uh, it's called Gospel Church in German Evangeliumsgemeinde, and this is our city, Jena, it has 120,000 people here, but only, I think, less than 1% have really uh, a, a living uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, and they know Jesus Christ. We try to reach out with a student ministry connection to these uh, students. We have 25,000 college students, and to the other people living here, the families and the adults as a church, and we want to proclaim the gospel to them. Martha, thank you so much for hosting us here these few days. Um, how has it been? Yeah, it's been very refreshing. I told the men it was like a mini vision trip for me, just to kind of tank up spiritually and be encouraged, and of course let them love on the students. And we had a great 
uh, back-to-back seminars and testimony time last night with a room full of of students and, and young adults that were here, and I know that was really, really encouraging for them, and they stayed around, the guys stayed around today, and I think at least one missed class this morning, so um, I know it was such an encouragement for our team, and it was great to get to kind of wrap up the trip for me to hear what their vision is for uh, for the other cities where God's doing the work and church planning in Yena and Vaughn, and um, I'm just excited about the partnership to intensify. So there's there's a brief summary. Uh, as you can tell, I guess we encouraged delinquency. I didn't know that. Somebody, somebody skipped class. <laughs> we had a key man. You know, she's she's a lady. She can't really speak into the lives of the men there like we could. So we had a men's morning with some of the guys in the, the ministry there. I don't know in Yena if you saw the uh, the big tall tower in the background. When the communists came in, the largest uh, building in that city was a temple, or was a Catholic church, or was, I'm sorry, a Lutheran church. <laughs> Luther kind of changed things in the Middle Ages there. But um, <clears throat> it, was a, it was a church, and the communists said, we're atheists, we don't need God, we're going to build a building bigger than the church, so it draws all the attention. So there's this huge tower in the middle of this quaint German uh, city, there and those guys were sharing that they have a vision to start churches all over East Germany. It is the least churched area in the West, and so we would really love to partner with them as they set out to uh, plant those churches. And we'd really love to be a help. So we're exploring that, seeing what that would look like, and if there's any ways they'd like us to help, uh, we would love to do that. But it was it was a good trip. It's good to be back. Um, you know, home cooking is always good. German food is is good, but the bratwurst was fantastic. But I could go on, but I won't. But it's really good to good to be home. We're we're in a series, and we're rounding the corner toward the end of the series called the Working Life. And uh, it's interesting that the average person spends ninety thousand hours in their lifetime at work. 90,000 hours, that's about 10 and a half years of your life at work. And the perspective you find in Scripture is that it's God who gives you the ability to enjoy your work. And so what we're doing in this series, since we spend so much of our time at work, doing work, how great would it be to be able to enjoy our work? And so we're digging into the scripture to find out what God says about approaching your work in a way that we experience the enjoyment from the hand of God that he intends. He wants to help us with this. He wants us to enjoy it, whatever our work is, uh, as as it's, you know, work that is moving the right things forward. Then he wants to help with that. You can't really cover the spectrum of the working life without talking about the boss, can you? (laughs) So that's what today's about. We're going to talk about what God says in the realm of our relationship to the authority over us, to the boss. There are a lot of different words we have for the boss. Um, I'm sure some of the words I shouldn't say here. Um, but boss man, you know, boss man is one of, it depends on how you say that too, you know, 
You could say, oh, the boss man, you know, rah, rah, rah. or you could say the boss man, you know, the boss man. So we, we have these words and we use them with different inflections at different times, I'm sure. The alpha is another, hey, you know, they're the alpha. You know, alpha, alpha male, alpha female. Um, the head honcho, the queen bee, the top dog, the man. We have these names that we use for the boss and we grow up under authority, and there's something in us as we grow up. I don't know if you ever mumbled this under your breath as a kid, but, you know, you grow up under your parents' authority, and they tell you to do something, you go, yeah, just try and make me. Okay, I've mumbled that, I confess. Yeah, just try and make me. And then, you know, they end up, they can do it. (laughs) They can make me, uh, you know, I could go without food. No, they never did that. Uh, to me, but you know, there's this thing. You know, teachers are bosses in school, and uh, then you go to work and you have bosses. And there, there's something in us as we're growing up, and then as we go into adulthood, that sort of rails against authority. Uh, there's a movie in the '80s called Nine to Five with Dolly Parton and Jane Fonda. I want to play a song that Dolly Parton wrote, won a Grammy for this song. You know, most time uh, movies that are popular resonate with our hearts in some way. So here's, here's the song with the lyrics on the screen. Some of us, that takes us back, and, you know, we, I've heard that song over and over in the office this week. You know, got into Alex's mind, and Alex, the executive pastor who speaks at our Alhambra campus, he's kept singing it. So I've heard it. I'm glad that's done. Now we can move on. <laughs> but what, what you sense in, in that lyric is this adversarial attitude toward the boss. And there's something in us and in our world that creates and generates this adversarial nature between the boss man and those who are working for the boss man. It's, it's the way it goes. And once you let your mind start down that path, it's like a vortex that just pulls you down on into it. And it, it draws you further and further away from wanting to follow the authority over you. Your defenses go up because you don't want the boss to take advantage of you and productivity goes down, and enjoyment is just shot because there's this, this grinding tension between you and the one that you are working for. Uh, memes pop up on Facebook all the time. They reflect our attitude uh, toward life that, that swirls around in our culture. I've got a few of these to look at. Uh, first one, the boss says, 
I would let you leave early, but I just thought up 20 random tasks I need you to complete. Yeah, you know, we, we, oh, I don't want somebody else to be in control of my time. You know, I don't like that. Here's another one. Here's your great idea. He hears your great idea and takes credit for it and gets promoted. Not good. The last one, bosses. Bosses be like, you're still coming to work, right? <laughs> this, this flows through not only our culture, but our veins. You know, we have this thing. We don't want people over us telling us what to do. There's a core problem with all human authority. It's not perfect. They're, infall- they're not infallible. They are fallible. They make mistakes. So if I do what they want, what they're telling me to do, it might waste my time or it might even multiply problems or it might make my work a ton harder. And so we have we get into this protective mode in our relationship with those over us. The good news is God doesn't want us to get stuck here. He's given us a lot of help. Relating to the boss can be extremely frustrating and relating to authority can be frustrating in every arena of life. Uh, the thoughts start out on the inside, and they start churning, but they don't stay there. They're going to pop out. They're going to show up in attitudes, words, actions that generate a lot of waste and frustration and struggle. What's inside may start as a trickle. But it eventually flows into a mighty river of attitudes, words, and actions that create a lot of struggle and problems and tension. So God wants us to get out of this vortex. And uh, he gives some very helpful instruction in the scripture, and we're going to look at it today. And what you find in the scripture is that God wants us to follow our leaders in a way that pleases him, in a way that pleases God himself. And so we're going to look at a passage that actually deals with slavery, slaves. It's directed to slaves. Uh, In the Roman Empire, we talked about this earlier. During the New Testament times, slavery was a normal part of life. In fact, about one-third of the population were slaves. Uh, It was as normal, uh, slavery was, as you and I going to work every day. So... We read this passage and it's addressed to slaves, so we think, hey, there's a ray of hope. Maybe I'm off the hook. <laughs> but no, it's, it's actually addressed to Christians, Christ followers, and the way they should go about their work. So we're not really off the hook. It's addressed to us. There's a, a bunch of things we can learn from it. Slavery's been abolished, but this, this passage applies to our work. We're not slaves, but we contract to work for a boss. And we uh, are given a job description, and we're given a place in the organizational structure. And that is what we need to apply this passage to. Uh, We take our place in the organizational structure, wherever we fit on the chart, and we do it well as, as believers. So this passage shows us what pleases God in this way as we relate to our boss, and fulfill our job description, and take our place in the organizational chart that that we have. Colossians 3.22, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, 
but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. So, first of all, to please God, we do everything we're told to do. Now, that, that verse sort of smacks you in the face, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, it smacks everything. We, we do everything we're told to do. Look at it. Obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it whether they're watching or not. Oh, that's rough. Obey in, in the Greek, if you were to dig into it, is the word hupakuo. And hoop, H-U-P, means under. Akuo sounds like acoustics, doesn't it? It has to do with hearing sound and hearing. What that word actually means to obey is you, you, you listen under the authority of the boss. You, you put yourself, you take your place under them, and you listen to them. You listen to what they're saying. It, it literally means to hear under. So as Christ followers, who is our ultimate boss, by the way, we're serving the Lord Christ. We, we do this out of reverence for the Lord, with, with God in mind. That's, that's how we work. Uh, that's what it means to be godly. We live a God-referenced life. And so um, we put ourselves under the boss, listen to them, and then we do what they tell us to do. Now, we may have input. We may have feedback. Hopefully, you're free to give that in your work environment. But in any organization, a circle is drawn around areas of responsibility. And someone is put in charge of that area of responsibility. They're the boss. The Bible calls this stewardship. You, you're given a stewardship. A circle's drawn around it. And this is actually the way that God rules the world. He draws a circle in family life, gives responsibility to uh, the husband, the father, uh, for that area. And he works in partnership with his wife to make things happen. He draws a circle around different areas in, in church life. He draws circles, and then he gives responsibility, and then he holds that person accountable for the way they handle their responsibility, and he is deciding who raise, gets, gets elevated and who doesn't get elevated by the way they handle their uh, circle of responsibility. In your boss's circle of responsibility... They have the authority to decide and give direction on what to do and how to do it. And so it pleases God when you put yourself under the boss and do what they say. This is what pleases God. Uh, the passage also says that we do this with sincerity of heart. Literally, that means singleness of heart. So at work, I have one goal. We just sang a song, one name alone I live for, one name alone. That's it. And the idea is, my one goal at work is to please God in the way I handle my work and relate to my boss. That's my goal. I don't have two goals. I don't want to do my work and make it as easy as possible on myself. (laughs) That's another goal. I don't 
do my work and try to make the, go- the boss successful, but get a little credit along the way for me. I don't have two goals. I have one goal. My goal is to please God and to handle my work in a way that gives him glory, that reflects well on who he is. And the reason is because if I've decided to follow Christ, I bear his name. I, I take to work the name of Christ with me. If I've identified with Christ, then I am bearing his name. So the way that I relate to the boss, the way that I handle my work, is reflecting well or not on the God I serve. So we keep this in the back of our minds as we set out to relate at work. And we do everything we can with one goal of pleasing God in the way we handle the relationships at work with our boss and the way we handle our job. We're, we're told to do this out of reverence for the Lord because we realize God's paying attention here. <laughs> That's the, the thrust of the, the passage. He's, he's watching and he will respond accordingly to the way we handle things. This, this turns our focus, this makes a shift for us in, in the message here to <clears throat> why we should be careful to do what the boss says. And the reason is we draw our motivation from the, God, from the Lord, from God himself. This, this is where we get the motivation to serve and to give it everything we've got at work. This passage, if you look at it, um, it, it basically shows us that it's very nearsighted to let the boss determine your motivation, your level of motivation at work. It's nearsighted uh, to let him decide what your work ethic's going to be, how hard you're going to work. Um, he, he, he shouldn't be the one dictating your, your level of effort. While on the job, if the goal is to make the boss happy, then our motivation suffers and wanes and lacks and lags if you have a difficult boss. But we're, we're to look beyond the earthly boss. If, if we let the boss control our motivation, then we've just handed our future to him. We've given power to our, of our own well-being to another person. We're trying to make them happy. That might be impossible. <laughs> but in the, con- in the context of work, we can make God happy. We could be faithful to do what we can do. We could be faithful to do our part. And we can please him. So as Christ followers, we're working for the Lord to make him happy. Not for our boss. We look beyond the boss and we do that. Uh, this means that we work to a higher standard regardless of what's going on around us. The other, our co-workers, regardless of how the boss is treating us, whether or not they're noticing our effort. We work because we know God is holding us to a higher standard and he's watching everything that's going on. Here, here's a commercial Uh, from the 70s that captures this idea. It's kind of fun. Let's watch it. Government regulations say we can make our Hebrew national beef hot dogs from frozen beef. We don't. The government says we can use artificial coloring. We don't. They say we can add meat byproducts. We don't. They say we can add non-meat fillers. We can't. We're kosher. And have to answer to an even higher authority. 
There you go. That's actually a great picture of what we do as believers. We answer to a higher authority. We have the boss. We have the organizational chart. And we know what they're saying, what they're doing, what they're wanting us to do. But we have to look beyond them. Because we know this is, a, this is an attitude of faith. The attitude of faith is we know God's going to pay attention to what we're doing. And he's actually in control of the next promotion or the next whatever it is. So we're trusting God, not our bosses. Bosses make mistakes. They overlook things. They miss things. So in, in the situation that we're dealing with, we trust God Almighty to handle it right before, you know, before uh, ourselves, toward ourselves. Um, whatever job you have, whatever the nature of your work is, you, you can get motivated as you set yourself to please God. And he wants to help with this. He, he really wants to give the help. You have to look beyond the specific people and what's going on in the situation. So Colossians instructs us to work hard and cheerfully at everything we do as we work for the Lord, not, not for men. And that, that's easy if you have a, a great boss. But what if your boss is a jerk? <laughs> I mean, I've had, I've had a few bosses that weren't the most pleasant people in my life. I've worked for people, boy, what a pain, you know. If the work environment or the boss is discouraging, degrading, difficult, or even oppressive, it's easy to justify going slack in our work. Let's look at what Scripture says about that. The Bible shows us that Christians follow even when the boss is difficult. When employees feel out of control, they can easily resort to Bosch bath. Boss. Bosch? Boss. Thank you. Boss bashing. You know, you start bashing the boss. You start using those terms that I mentioned at the beginning in a derogatory way. You know, you start bashing. Uh, followers of any kind can resort to complaining and arguing. Uh, and griping as a way of gaining some kind of advantage in the workplace. When, things, when, when you feel out of control, gossip is one way that you can try to seize control. But it actually turns up that it doesn't really help. It's not, it's not, it's not a really helpful thing. Um, I, I read a quote on Facebook the other day from a respected pastor I'm not on Facebook that much. I don't know. I keep keeps coming up in this message. I just want to tell you, I don't waste too much time on Facebook. <laughs> but I did. Uh, I did read this quote. He said, "Whenever you complain, ultimately you're complaining against God." Now, why would he say that? I think he's right. The reason he's right is because when you complain at work or wherever it is. You're making God look bad like he couldn't change your circumstance if he wanted to. God isn't strong enough to change my circumstance. He's not wise enough to figure out how to get me out of this. Or he's not strong enough or good enough to change my, my situation. Our complaining attitude is making our real boss look really bad if we choose it. God could change the circumstance. And he might, but if he doesn't, he has a purpose for leaving you there. Here's some more guidance from God's word, First Peter 2. 
Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if, the man, if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. Again, the reference is God. You're thinking of God in the way you go about your work. Instead of taking us out of every difficult circumstance, God leaves us in some to develop us, to change us. And he uses even difficult circumstances for our good. So a difficult work environment can be a training environment for you. God could be working something in you. He could be, and in fact, if it's difficult, that's what he's doing. Wherever the pressure is, that's where God's at work. That's what he's trying to do in your life. He's trying to help you, to grow you, and to change you, to be more like him, to be more like Jesus Christ. In our society, we don't have to continue working for a difficult boss. We aren't slaves. We have the freedom to go find another one. We can. We can look for another job. And there are certain situations where we really need to. It's it's just so counterproductive that it's just not going to work there. But what we can't do as Christ followers is stay in the job and complain and rebel and not do what the boss is asking us to do. That's what you get out of these scriptures. Because we, as followers of Christ, are reflecting the one we follow, the one who made us. And we cannot stay and complain. We learn to accept even adverse conditions as on-the-job training from the Lord. And if it seems best, we, we look for another job. We move out of it. Sometimes we just want to bail. You know, I, I don't know. I have that. Let's just pull the plug, get out of here. The pressure's too much. This is horrible. This, this is really bad. When con- conditions get challenging, you know, I'm gone. That's it. I'm done. God, however, if you're, if you're looking at what God's doing in your work situation, he may have a specific training issue in mind for you. He, there may be something he's thinking of. So before you move on and change jobs and change leaders, you need to make sure that you're not the problem because that is a possibility. Otherwise, you move to a new workplace, and what happens? It's like the who, you know. I'm, I'm Mr. 70s this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm going old school. You know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. He recycles. He recycles the same problem because the boss wasn't the problem. You were the problem. And wherever you go, you take yourself with you. And so you go to the new, the new situation, And you have a different face on the boss, but you're experiencing the same problems because you really haven't changed. God's wanting to use the trouble to change you in some way, either to grow your faith or to make you more like him. And so we need to consider that. God could recycle the lesson in the form of the new boss. What's the impact of maintaining an attitude of respect for the boss? And continuing to work hard, even in adverse situations. People take notice. You shine like a star. You stand out because everybody else is likely complaining and arguing and 
bitter. And there's a tremendous amount of tension. Philippians 2, I'm not going to read it. It's not in your listening guide. But it, it tells us how to shine like a star against the dark backdrop in the universe. It's simple. Do everything without complaining or arguing. If you'll just go about your work that way, you will begin to shine like a star. It is so hard to not get pulled into the vortex with people around you. It is very difficult. But this is, this is what God calls us to. He's called his followers, Jesus' followers, to a higher level, to a higher standard. Others take note when you serve well, no matter what's going on. And this becomes a powerful witness and a draw so people want to follow the Lord as well. When you decide to follow Christ, you're, you're called to live for your ultimate purpose, which is to bring glory to the one who made you. Something that's made is made to glorify the one who made it. We were made to glorify the living God. That's, that's why he made us. He made us so that we could love him back. We, we can choose to rebel. We could choose to disobey. But if we learn to obey and we learn to live for him, we glorify him. We make him look good because life makes more sense as we follow him. Listening to our boss, doing what he says makes God look good. It, it glorifies him. And it puts us in a place to really enjoy the work that God's given us because we're doing it for him. doesn't matter what's going on around us. We're working in a way that brings honor and glory to the living God. And that's the call of Christians. As I wrap up today's message, I'd like to ask you if you would uh, take out the connection card that's in your program. And I'd like to ask the worship team if they'd come up to be ready to lead us in more songs of praise. Um, I'd like you, if you would, to take this time to finish completing any next steps or any information you haven't had a chance to fill out on that card. And then when the offering comes by, you could drop it in in the offering basket. And I'd also like to just thank our, our regular givers for your faithfulness. It's your faithful giving that allows us to accomplish the mission that God's given us as a congregation. Uh, allows us to rent this facility and use the equipment to do what we do. Giving is an act of faith, just like obeying and serving with everything you've got in your workplace. That's an act of faith because you're trusting that God is actually paying attention and you're living like he is. This is what we're called to. We're, we're called to live by faith. Um, giving is that way. It's an act of faith. You give because you know that God's going to bless your faithfulness. And a tithe represents uh, a portion of your income because what you're saying with your tithe uh, is that, hey, I'm given a portion of my life. We work to earn our money. It's a portion of our life that we're giving back to God. And it reminds us by giving the first fruits off the top of our income, it reminds us to always keep God first in our lives. It's an act of faith that we we. We step back and we say, God, you're in control. You've given me this work. You've given me this life. I want to honor you. It's the same in following leaders. It's the, it's the same kind of faith. We follow not because we can see the blessing of God on the front end or in the moment. We follow because we trust that God is going to bring the blessing and the reward 
as we move forward in life. So we have some next steps that we're suggesting to you this morning as a result of this message. Um, first one, you may want to memorize Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. That's a great reminder of for Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whatever morning you go to work. It's a great reminder. Um, and then another step would be ask God to show me ways I'm resisting following the leader over me. Ask him to show you and then take some steps to deal with the resistance. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that if we'll live by it, God, it sets us free from all kinds of struggle and trouble and, and pain. And I pray that you'd give us a heart to walk by faith and to trust you as we follow the leaders you put over us. It's not by accident. You're in control. And I pray that you give us the help and the motivation we need to do exactly what you want us to do as we handle our work and as we handle every area of responsibility you've given us, God. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.